Chapter Number Three of The Law and the Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wiebke Müller. The Law and the Lady by Wilkie Collins. Chapter Three. Ramsgate Sands. Eustace succeeded in quieting my alarm but I can hardly say that he succeeded in satisfying my mind as well. He had been thinking, he told me, of the contrast between his past and his present life. Bitter remembrance of the years that had gone had risen in his memory, and had filled him with melancholy misgivings of his capacity to make my life with him a happy one. He had asked himself if he had not met me too late, if he were not already a man soured and broken by the disappointments and disenchantments of the past, doubts such as these weighing more and more heavily on his mind had filled his eyes with the tears which i had discovered tears which he now entreated me by my love for him to dismiss from my memory for ever i forgave him comforted him revived him but there were moments when the remembrance of what i had seen troubled me in secret and when i asked myself if i really possessed my husband's full confidence as he possessed mine we left the train at ramsgate the favourite watering-place was empty the season was just over our arrangements for the wedding tour included a cruise to the mediterranean in a yacht lent to eustace by a friend we were both fond of the sea and we were equally desirous considering the circumstances under which we had married of escaping the notice of friends and acquaintances with this object in view having celebrated our marriage privately in london we had decided on instructing the sailing-master of the yacht to join us at ramsgate at this point when the season for visitors was at an end we could embark far more privately than at the popular yachting stations situated in the isle of wight three days passed days of delicious solitude of exquisite happiness never to be forgotten never to be lived over again to the end of our lives early on the morning of the fourth day just before sunrise a trifling incident happened which was noticeable nevertheless as being strange to me in my experience of myself i awoke suddenly and unaccountably from a deep and dreamless sleep with an all-pervading sensation of nervous uneasiness which i had never felt before in the old days at the vicarage my capacity as a sound sleeper had been the subject of many a little harmless joke from the moment when my head was on the pillow i had never known what it was to awake until the maid knocked at my door at all seasons and times the long and uninterrupted repose of a child was the repose that i enjoyed and now i had awakened without any assignable cause hours before my usual time i tried to compose myself to sleep again the effort was useless such a restlessness possessed me that i was not even able to lie still in the bed my husband was sleeping soundly by my side in the fear of disturbing him i rose and put on my dressing-gown and slippers i went to the window the sun was just rising over the calm grey sea for a while the majestic spectacle before me exercised a tranquillizing influence on the irritable condition of my nerves but ere long the old restlessness returned upon me i walked slowly to and fro in the room until i was weary of the monotony of the exercise i took up a book and laid it aside again my attention wandered the author was powerless to recall it i got on my feet once more and looked at eustace and admired him and loved him in his tranquil sleep I went back to the window and wearied of the beautiful morning. I sat down before the glass and looked at myself. How haggard and worn I was already through awakening before my usual time. I rose again, not knowing what to do next. 
the confinement to the four walls of the room began to be intolerable to me i opened the door that led into my husband's dressing-room and entered it to try if the change would relieve me the first object that i noticed was his dressing-case open on the toilet-table i took out the bottles and pots and brushes and combs the knives and scissors in one compartment the writing materials in another i smelled the perfumes and pomatums i busily cleaned and dusted the bottles with my handkerchief as i took them out little by little i completely emptied the dressing-case it was lined with blue velvet in one corner i noticed a tiny slip of loose blue silk taking it between my finger and thumb and drawing it upward i discovered that there was a false bottom to the case forming a secret compartment for letters and papers in my strange condition capricious idle inquisitive it was an amusement to me to take out the papers just as i had taken out everything else i found some receipted bills which failed to interest me some letters which it is needless to say i laid aside after only looking at the addresses and under all a photograph face downward with the writing on the back of it i looked at the writing and saw these words to my dear son eustace his mother the woman who had so obstinately and mercilessly opposed herself to our marriage i eagerly turned the photograph expecting to see a woman with a stern ill-tempered forbidding countenance to my surprise the face showed the remains of great beauty the expression though remarkably firm was yet winning tender and kind the grey hair was arranged in rows of little quaint old-fashioned curls on either side of the head under a plain lace cap at one corner of the mouth there was a mark apparently a mole which added to the characteristic peculiarity of the face i looked and looked fixing the portrait thoroughly in my mind this woman who had almost insulted me and my relatives was beyond all doubt or dispute so far as appearances went a person possessing unusual attractions a person whom it would be a pleasure and a privilege to know i fell into deep thought the discovery of the photograph quieted me as nothing had quieted me yet the striking of a clock downstairs in the hall warned me of the flight of time i carefully put back all the objects in the dressing-case beginning with the photograph exactly as i had found them and returned to the bedroom as i looked at my husband still sleeping peacefully the question forced itself into my mind what had made that genial gentle mother of his so sternly bent on parting us so harshly and pitilessly resolute in asserting her disapproval of our marriage could i put my question openly to eustace when he awoke no i was afraid to venture that length it had been tacitly understood between us that we were not to speak of his mother and besides he might be angry if he knew that i had opened the private compartment of his dressing-case after breakfast that morning we had news at last of the yacht the vessel was safely moored in the inner harbour and the sailing-master was waiting to receive my husband's orders on board eustace hesitated at asking me to accompany him to the yacht it would be necessary for him to examine the inventory of the vessel and to decide questions not very interesting to a woman relating to charts and barometers provisions and water he asked me if i would wait for his return the day was enticingly beautiful and the tide was on the ebb i pleaded for a walk on the sands and the landlady at our lodgings who happened to be in the room at the time volunteered to accompany me and take care of me it was agreed that we should walk as far as we felt inclined in the direction of broadstairs and that eustace should follow and meet us on the sands after having completed his arrangements on board the yacht in half an hour more the landlady and i were out on the beach the scene on that fine autumn morning was nothing less than enchanting 
the brisk breeze the brilliant sky the flashing blue sea the sun-bright cliffs and the tawny sands at their feet the gliding procession of ships on the great marine highway of the english channel it was all so exhilarating it was all so delightful that i really believe if i had been by myself i could have danced for joy like a child the one drawback to my happiness was the landlady's untiring tongue she was a forward good-natured empty-headed woman who persisted in talking whether i listened or not and who had a habit of perpetually addressing me as mrs woodville which i thought a little over-familiar as an assertion of equality from a person in her position to a person in mine we had been out i should think more than half an hour when we overtook a lady walking before us on the beach just as we were about to pass the stranger she took her handkerchief from her pocket and accidentally drew out with it a letter which fell unnoticed by her on the sand i was nearest to the letter and picked it up and offered it to the lady the instant she turned to thank me i stood rooted to the spot there was the original of the photographic portrait in the dressing-case there was my husband's mother standing face to face with me i recognized the quaint little grey curls the gentle genial expression the mole at the corner of the mouth no mistake was possible his mother herself the old lady naturally enough mistook my confusion for shyness with perfect tact and kindness she entered into conversation with me in another minute i was walking side by side with the woman who had sternly repudiated me as a member of her family feeling i own terribly discomposed and not knowing in the least whether i ought or ought not to assume the responsibility in my husband's absence of telling her who i was in another minute my familiar landlady walking on the other side of my mother-in-law decided the question for me i happened to say that i supposed we must by that time be near the end of our walk the little watering-place called broadstairs oh no mrs woodwill cried the irrepressible woman calling me by my name as usual nothing like so near as you think i looked with a beating heart at the old lady to my unutterable amazement not the faintest gleam of recognition appeared in her face old mrs woodville went on talking to young mrs woodville just as composedly as if she had never heard her own name before in her life my face and manner must have betrayed something of the agitation that i was suffering happening to look at me at the end of her next sentence the old lady started and said in her kind way i am afraid you have overexerted yourself you are very pale you are looking quite exhausted come and sit down here let me lend you my smelling-bottle i followed her quite helplessly to the base of the cliff some fallen fragments of chalk offered us a sea i vaguely heard the voluble landlady's expressions of sympathy and regret i mechanically took the smelling-bottle which my husband's mother offered to me after hearing my name as an act of kindness to a stranger if i had only had myself to think of i believe i should have provoked an explanation on the spot but i had you stars to think of i was entirely ignorant of the relations hostile or friendly which existed between his mother and himself what could i do in the meantime the old lady was still speaking to me with the most considerate sympathy she too was fatigued she said she had passed a weary night at the bedside of a near relative staying at ramsgate only the day before she had received a telegram announcing that one of her sisters was seriously ill she was herself thank god still active and strong and she had thought it her duty to start at once for ramsgate toward the morning the state of the patient had improved the doctors assure me ma'am that there is no immediate danger and i thought it might revive me after my long night at the bedside if i took a little walk on the beach i heard the words i understood what they meant 
but i was still too bewildered and too intimidated by my extraordinary position to be able to continue the conversation the landlady had a sensible suggestion to make the landlady was the next person who spoke here is a gentleman coming she said to me pointing in the direction of ramsgate you can never walk back shall we ask him to send a chaise from broadstairs to the gap in the cliff the gentleman advanced a little nearer the landlady and i recognized him at the same moment it was eustace coming to meet us as we had arranged the irrepressible landlady gave the freest expression to her feelings oh mrs woodwill ain't it lucky here is mr woodwill himself once more i looked at my mother-in-law once more the name failed to produce the slightest effect on her her sight was not so keen as ours she had not recognized her son yet he had young eyes like us and he recognized his mother for a moment he stopped like a man thunderstruck then he came on his ruddy face white with suppressed emotion his eyes fixed on his mother you here he said to her how do you do eustace she quietly rejoined have you heard of your aunt's illness too did you know she was staying at ramsgate he made no answer the landlady drawing the inevitable inference from the words that she had just heard looked from me to my mother-in-law in a state of amazement which paralyzed even her tongue i waited with my eyes on my husband to see what he would do if he had delayed acknowledging me another moment the whole future course of my life might have been altered i should have despised him he did not delay he came to my side and took my hand do you know who this is he said to his mother she answered looking at me with a courteous bend of her head a lady i met on the beach she stars who kindly restored to me a letter that i dropped i think i heard the name she turned to the landlady mrs woodwill was it not my husband's fingers unconsciously closed on my hand with a grasp that hurt me he set his mother right it is only just to say without one cowardly moment of hesitation mother he said to her very quietly this lady is my wife she had it her toe kept her seat she now rose slowly and faced her son in silence the first expression of surprise passed from her face it was succeeded by the most terrible look of mingled indignation and contempt that i ever saw in a woman's eyes i pity your wife she said with those words and no more lifting her hand she waved him back from her and went on her way again as we had first found her alone End of chapter 3